on this first Sunday of the new year, I want to encourage all of us to make one of the most important and useful resolutions that we can. And that is commit ourselves to reading the Bible regularly this year. New Year's resolution for 2021. Commit myself to reading the Bible regularly. Now, I don't mean read the Bible from cover to cover over the course of the year, although that is a great idea, and if you want to do that, go for it, and I encourage you to do that. But it's what I'm talking about is reading from the Bible every day, or nearly so, depending on how your situation and your schedule are. There are all kinds of ways of doing regular Bible reading. Some people, they follow a read-through-the-Bible-in-a-year-type schedule that they follow. Others uh, read through a daily devotional book that guides them in their Bible reading. There are lots of different approaches. What one person finds helpful is not necessarily the most effective and helpful for another person. I'm not here to advocate how each of us do it. I'm advocating that we do it. However it is that you're doing it. Whatever floats your boat in how it's done is fine. I just want us to do it. This is what we're going to be talking about today, is reading the Bible. So, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, get it out, because we're going to look at some scriptures today as we read our Bible together in preparation for reading the Bible all year long. Someone once said, the Bible is meant to be bread for daily use, not cake for special occasions. Think about that. We need consistent, regular consuming of the Bible for a healthy, growing spiritual life. Not just get after it when something is in crisis in our life, but a daily, consistent, regular consumption of the Word of God. Now someone might ask, well, why is this old book, the Bible, even relevant in our day, some 2,000 to 3,500 years after it was written? The answer is this, is that the human experience hasn't changed. Human beings still struggle with the same things they have always struggled with. They're still asking the same questions, seeking the same answers, hungering for the same things in their souls. Questions like, who am I? Where did I come from? Is there a God? If so, what's God like? How can I know God? What does God want from me? How can I find peace inside myself? What's right and wrong The Bible addresses all of that stuff. If the Bible is the Word of God, and it is, then it's eternal, and the truths that it contains will remain relevant through all ages, whether it's 2,000 years, 3,500 years, 10,000 years, or right now. It's relevant, and it has always been relevant. It is the eternal, relevant, living Word of God. So why do we read and study the Bible? That's what we're going to talk about for a moment. First, we read the Bible to know God. We read the Bible to know God. This is the primary reason that we read the Bible. The purpose of our life is to know and to glorify God. And reading and studying the Bible is a key component to that. Pastor James Merritt said it this way, the primary reason for reading the Bible is not to know the Bible, but to know God. Unless God reveals Himself to us, it's really not possible for us to even know Him. 
as the creator of the universe, God exists outside of our sphere of time and space. So unless he inserts himself into our sphere of reality in some way, there's no way for us to even know that he was there. God is unknowable by us unless he makes himself known. The burden is on God to initiate communication with us. And this is what's amazing. He has chosen to communicate with us. First, he's revealed himself in the very creation itself. And we talked about this some when we were looking at Psalm 19 a few weeks ago. In Psalm 19, the first two verses, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. In Romans 1.20, Paul wrote, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. God has gone further than that, though, by revealing Himself to us through direct revelation that has been recorded in written form for us in His Word, the Bible. We can go to the Bible and read what He wants us to know about Him and how we can have a relationship with Him. It's written right there. Third, God has revealed Himself in the most intimate way imaginable by becoming one of us in His Son, Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 1, Verses 1 and 2, it says, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, talking about the scriptures. But in these last days he's spoken to us by his Son, Jesus Christ, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he has made the universe. I don't want to build a relationship with God based on ideas that I have made up in my own head or that have been culled together from the random bits of pseudo-wisdom and knowledge that people toss around about God in the spiritual realm. I want my relationship with God to be based on something far more substantial than that, and I hope you do too. No offense, but I don't have a lot of confidence in your personal feelings and knowledge and ideas about God. I don't have a lot of confidence in my own personal knowledge and feelings and ideas about God either. I want to know what God himself has said about himself. And fortunately for us, he has told us about himself and how to have a relationship with him in the Bible. God wants us to know him. Think about that. The creator of the universe wants you and me to know him personally. Of all of the things that God has to concern himself with, you and I knowing him is on that list. The very fact that the Word of God, the Bible, exists at all is a beautiful testimony of reaching out of love and desire for relationship on God's part toward us. Remembering this can be a strong motivator for us to read the Bible more. God wants to have a relationship with you and me. He wants us to know Him. The Bible is a primary way of knowing God. Let's read the Bible. Second, we read the Bible to know ourself. We read the Bible to know ourself. There are lots of ideas and opinions about the nature of human beings, what makes us tick, what's needed for us to be healthy physically and mentally, how we find 
wholeness in our life, how to find meaning and purpose in our life. Bookstores and websites are full of stuff on these topics. It's not all bad information, but it's not information coming from the manufacturer. I want to learn about me from the one who made me, rather than just listen to the ruminations of others like myself. Imagine one car trying to tell another car why cars, why cars exist. How would the cars know the answer to that question unless the maker of the cars told them? The cars may be able to deduce some things from the way they work and interact with their surroundings, but they wouldn't have a full picture without the maker filling in important missing pieces for them. And our maker has spoken to us in the Bible. I can't trust my own evaluation of myself. I tend to be either too easy on me or too hard on me. One moment I'm excusing my worst behavior, justifying anything and everything that I do, and then the next moment I'm running myself down as the most awful creature in the universe. I need a standard that's outside of me, which is objective and balanced, that I can trust. That standard is the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. See, the Word of God, it touches even the parts of me that are hidden from me and helps me to see the truth about me, good and bad. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of my heart. No one knows us like God does. Psalm 139, which we will look at in depth in a coming Sunday in our series on Psalms. In Psalm 139, verses 1, it says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Verse 13 of that psalm. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. No one knows us like God does. Well, third, we read the Bible to become more like God in character. There's a well-established idea that if you want to be like someone, then spend time with that person, become a student of that person, expose yourself to that person as much as possible, and over time, you will naturally become more like that person. It's one of the reasons why our parents are always telling us, don't hang out with that person over there. I don't want you being influenced by that guy. Well, here's the person that we want to be influenced by, the Lord. This is one of the ideas behind reading and studying the Word of God, the Bible. The more we read it, study it, expose ourselves to it, spend time with it, the more we will become like the one who wrote it. Psalm 119, verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That word hidden, it means, to, it could also be translated as stored. I have stored your word in my heart, or 
I've treasured it up in my heart, or I keep it in my heart. Well, how do we store, treasure up, keep God's Word in our heart? By continually exposing ourselves to the Word of God, reading it, listening to it, studying it, so its content, its ideas, its principles become etched into our mind. Then, when we're faced with a situation, the Word of God and its principles, they come forward to direct us in our thinking and our acting. You know, we naturally want to know God's will for our life. But we will have great difficulty figuring His will out for us if we are not a student of His Word. That's where he is, His will for us is most clearly revealed. Billy Graham said, If you are ignorant of God's Word, you will always be ignorant of God's will. Fourth, we read the Bible to grow in wisdom. We live in an information age. We have easy access to a mind-boggling amount of information. You have a question about something, just enter your question into the Google search box on your phone and almost instantly the answer appears. How many milliliters are there in three gallons? How many touchdown receptions did Jerry Rice have in 1996? How far away is Nome, Alaska? What's the second largest land mammal on earth? How much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? All of those and more can be discovered in the Google search box. Information is not the same as wisdom, though, is it? A person can know a lot of things and be what the Bible calls a fool. I know some people who struggle with using the Google search box, but I consider them some of the most wise people I have ever known. Psalm 119, 97 says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. Verse 105 of that psalm says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. The opening words of the book of Proverbs are applicable for the whole content of the Scripture. Proverbs 1.1, as an introduction to that one book, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, it says they are for gaining wisdom and instruction. And this applies to the whole content of the Scripture for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. Fifth, we read the Bible to feed our soul. We read the Bible to feed our soul. Over in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, the story is told there about Jesus. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I would imagine so. I can't get past one day without 
eating and think I'm going to die. Shows what weak character I have. Jesus went 40 days and 40 nights. It says, then the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Satan tempted Jesus to turn stones into bread, but Jesus answered him by quoting from Deuteronomy 8.3, saying, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The implication of what Jesus was saying is this. We can't survive without the word of God. It's more important than physical food for our ultimate survival. Let that settle in for a moment. Jesus put the word of God in front of food in his life. An important side observation about this whole interaction that Jesus has with the devil out in the desert while he's being tempted. Jesus, he uses the word of God, the scripture, to combat every temptation that Satan threw at him. His response each time was scripture. He said, it is written, it is written, it is written. Jesus was giving us an example of how the word of God is used in spiritual warfare. The Word of God is called the sword of the Spirit in Ephesians 6.17. But this sword can only be used if we know it. Know the Word of God. The Bible is not intended to be used as a physical weapon to whack somebody in the side of the head with. The words and ideas are where the power is, not the physical pages. The words and the ideas So we need to get those words and ideas in our mind. Spurgeon said, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Finally, we read the Bible to be equipped for doing good. We read the Bible to be equipped for doing good. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, a well-managed, successful organization has a certain way of doing things. It has policies, procedures, guidelines, methods of doing things, and core values that are, to inf- <clears throat> that are to infuse everything that they do. These things, they may or they may not be written down in a policies and procedures manual for the organization, but they exist in every single one, and they are communicated to the people in the organization, so that organization functions a particular way, it does things a particular way, it has a particular culture. Well, for us, as followers of Jesus Christ and part of his organization, the policies and procedures manual for us is right here, the Bible. The Bible establishes our core values, what we do, why we do what we do, and the way we do it. The Bible equips us for doing good. D.L. Moody, the famous evangelist, said, 
I never saw a useful Christian who was not a student of the Bible. Let's talk about actually just some nuts and bolts of reading the Bible. And we've talked about this before over the course of the years, but I think it, it bears repeating again, especially for those who maybe are new um, and those who have fallen out of the habit and just, you know, kind of spinning their wheels. We're going, uh, okay, how do I get this going? If you already have some kind of a regular Bible reading method that you use, I encourage you to keep at it, keep doing it. But if you don't have a regular habit of reading the Bible, here are some very simple suggestions to get you started. First, get a modern English translation of the Bible, such as the New International Version, the English Standard Version, New King James Version, New Living Translation. The original King James Version is a Bible that you may have at your house. Maybe you've actually borrowed it from a hotel you were at once and you forgot to return it. That's uh, the classic Bible that lots of people have laying around somewhere. It has a beautiful poetic style to it because it's antique of its antique English, but most people today are better off reading a more modern English translation so that you understand what you're reading. See, it's more important that you understand what you're reading than that you sound like William Shakespeare while you're reading it. So get a modern English translation, like one of the ones I've mentioned, the NIV, the ESV, the New King James, the New Living Translation, so that you'll be able to understand what you are reading. Read a book of the Bible from start to finish. Don't skip around reading a little of one book of the Bible and then reading a little bit of another book of the Bible. We don't do that with other books we read. Why would we do that with the Bible? There are 66 separate books that are bound together in this one volume. Treat each of these 66 books as a book and read it from start to finish. Don't treat the Bible like it's some kind of magic charm. Closing your eyes, praying, and then flipping the pages in a fan and letting it fall open to some place in the first place that you put your finger down on that page. That's God's word for you today. Do not do that kind of stuff. That is never modeled in the scripture. That is never encouraged. That is not good Bible reading behavior. Please do not get your direction from God by doing something like that. If you don't know which book of the Bible to start with, one of those 66, you're going, well, I don't know which one of the 66 should I start with. I would suggest start with the Gospel of Mark. In the New Testament, if you don't know where it's at, just go to the table of contents at the beginning of the Bible. It'll tell you where the Gospel of Mark is. Read it through from start to finish. A little bit each day, as we'll talk about in one sec. And then move your way through other New Testament books. Read a chapter or two each day. Try to be consistent. Reading every day. Don't panic when I say a chapter. You think, that's a lot. No, it's only a page or two in the Bible. Chapters are really short in the Bible. And then keep a journal of your reading to help keep you on track. 
Uh, a simple method for a Bible journal that you can use is following the acronym of SOAP. We've shared this before, but SOAP stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. So uh, in your journal, just get a, a notebook that's blank, and you can just write the Scripture that you're reading that day so that you know what the reference is. Uh, for observation, write down an observation about the reading you did that day, a, a thought, some, some thing that comes to your mind as you're reading that or something that you note about that particular passage of Scripture that you're reading. And then application, the A, write down an application for your life drawn from the reading. How can you use this in your life? What kind of action are you going to take? What is God saying to you and how you should respond to what you have read? And then finally, prayer. Spend some time praying, talking with the Lord about what you have read. Write down a simple prayer having to do with your reading that day. And then perhaps, too, write down prayer requests that you have that you can look back over uh, you know, in time and see how God has answered those prayers in your life. Now, a cautionary note that I want to give to everyone is don't get legalistic about this. Discipline is good, being consistent is good, putting effort into it is good, but do not equate the quality of your relationship with God and the quality of your daily Bible reading and prayer. They're not the same. I have seen too many Christians living under this huge cloud of guilt because they're struggling with having a daily time of Bible reading and prayer. This should be a joyful thing, something that you look forward to. You are setting some time aside to meet with your Heavenly Father, and you should be looking forward to that. It shouldn't be some big guilt-trippy type of thing. You're God's child, whether you read your Bible or not. He loves you, whether you had a daily prayer time today or not, and whether your prayer time and your Bible reading were full of some warm feelings or cold feelings. He still loves you. Your relationship with the Lord should be filled with peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, rather than filled with guilt over failing to do your quiet time. But, the other side of it. Just like physical exercise, you're going to get out of your Bible reading and prayer what you put into it. If you're skipping lots of workout days and expecting to see uh, your physical fitness improve, you're kidding yourself. In a similar way, if you're skipping lots of days and not putting genuine effort into your Bible reading and prayer, you're probably not going to see a lot of spiritual fitness improvement. In closing, read the Bible. Read the Bible. Make that a resolution for this year for yourself. It's one of the best investments that we can make in our, in our self is reading the scripture every day. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the Bible. It spans about five pages in the typical English translation of the Bible, which is a very long psalm. It's the longest chapter in the Bible as well by quite a bit. But it's a devotional poem about the Word of God. And I want to leave us with a few verses from that psalm which will hopefully serve to motivate us to read our Bible more. 
Psalm 119.16 I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Verse 18 Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. 24 Your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. 72 The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. 111. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. 140. Your promises have been thoroughly tested and your servant loves them. 143. Trouble and distress have come upon me, but your commands give me delight. And finally, 165. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would build within each of us a tremendous love for your word, a hunger for your word, Lord, that we would long to read it, to dive into it, to have you speak to us through it, Lord. And Father, we ask that you would call us every day to yourself to just pull aside from the rest of our life and to spend time reading your word and speaking with you in prayer and listening to you. I ask, Lord, that you would fill us each with just, a, just an, a, an overwhelming desire to do that this week in particular, Lord. That we would resolve to read your word and spend time with you. Make this so in our life, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.